Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the RC Industry Podcast. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the world of TV, radio, stand-up, writing, and today, design. I should let you know that you are in part two of two of episode nine. This is an interview with the art director, producer, and designer Idil Sukan. And if you haven't listened to the first part, you won't be lost. Like, I've split it in the right place so that if this is the first part you're listening to, you'll still get all the information. You just won't be able to follow the show notes at the website, which is rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com, because none of the timestamps are linked to this podcast. They're only linked to the full episode. If you want the full episode, go to the iTunes link. If you just search Ask the Industry in iTunes, and you'll be able to find it. Also, we're on Stitcher, or you can go to the website, like I said. The reason this is in two parts is due to a lot of feedback I was getting where people were saying that the parts were too long. As a result, I've just split a 90-minute podcast. For new listeners who are starting with this episode, I'll give you a very quick overview. This is part of a design series for performers who are looking at taking a show to a fringe festival or putting on a solo run or doing a tour. We're talking to some of the most influential designers and creatives in the area of marketing materials. Idil Sukan is one of the most pr- prominent and prolific designers she has her own agency that specializes in performers marketing materials and if you want to find links to all of that you can do it on the website i'm not telling you the link again and um yeah but this is the second part of the interview you don't have to listen to the first part to understand it but i would listen to the first part because there is some absolute gold nuggets in there also this half equally so has amazing insights into it i really enjoyed talking to her i hope you enjoy this Thank you for listening, and here is the second part of the podcast. Because all the questions I've been asked are things like, you know, what's an eye-catching poster? Um, what makes a good poster? What what should I be looking for in flyer design? And it feels like everyone's asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Listen, I, anyone can use a camera. I can throw my technical guide at you and give you a week, and you'd know how to use a camera. Anyone can buy a camera. Anyone can, you know, get their uncle to buy an expensive camera for them and anyone can like read about some typography rules these are all available extensively available on google um free of charge anyone can learn 
what those rules are of what makes good typographic design, what makes good, uh, how, how to take a picture. And, but if you're not coming at it, if, if the intention is wrong, I, it, the thing is every single one of my clients, I, I'm, the, the reason I'm expensive, the reason I take so long is because I really kill myself for every single person that I've ever worked for. I, I, you know, and a lot of people have said this, I care way too much and I'm ruining my own life and like, I don't have any time, I never leave, my boyfriend is, is, is so concerned that I just, I don't leave this studio and well, studio is your flat. Yeah, but the so studio is... I live in my studio. I live in my studio. I never actually leave it. And it's because, you know, the, 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 the shows are so good. The people are so good. The people put in so much work. And then they just... They don't get asked any of these questions by their producers or managers or agents. They don't get asked why they're even bothering to do the show. They don't get asked what they want to do after the show. Their PR campaigns stop September the 1st. They stop, but they don't stop. They're doing this because they, because of some weird thing that happened to them as a kid. Because they they're messed up and they don't know how. To, you know, I mean, this is this is how they're going to express themselves, and it, it it's such a kind of weird tragedy to then get it all like lamed up in some sort of uh, soulless image and and kind of soulless poster which you know i mean the font the 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 typeface impact is is very clear like it's called impact for a reason um but it's it's absolute bullshit if you use it and i keep seeing that that impact being used on posters to you know still in 2015 i'm still seeing impact being used even though it's been you know taken over by memes um, on the internet, you know, if you want to make a meme, you use impact. And people are still using it, and it, it's and it's very clear, you know, typo- typographically speaking, it's a clear, readable font from the dis- from a distance. So, it makes a good, technically speaking, it makes for a good poster, doesn't it? And mm. uh, for a man scratching his head on a white background is clear. It's clear, isn't it? It's clear that that's a, a, a fucking comedian from the other side of the road. It's very clear. It's a, it's a technically accurate poster, but it's awful. And, but why is it awful? It's the same thing. If you stand for an hour and you tell jokes, and technically that is a show, but what makes it, you know, but what makes you different? Why, why bother to do this? Why, what, what, what are your intentions? What you know? What have you given up to do this show? Why are you doing? Why are you leading this terrible life? What do you want out of it? What kind of fans do you want? What kind of people do you want in the audience? Because that's a lot of the time that that's how we design posters to actually keep some people out and other people in. Because if you design like a really sort of kind of bland poster then you're going to kind of get those people who come in with two pints you know one in each hand and then there's four four guys the eight pints between them all sat in the third row all looking at each other when the comedian cracks a joke and and they they hate the you know they go away they they leave the show not caring about it but if you want to actually create a fan base that's as unique as your comedy then actually you're 
you know, you have to be quite subtle with the poster design that you, you do and the photos that you do because you're actually trying to appeal to a certain demographic. You can't, you know, one size doesn't fit all. I've been told that I have a style and I, I do understand that, but I, every single different client that I've ever had, I come at it from a completely new point of view. Everything gets thrown out and everything gets started again. A whole different set of reference images, whole different ideas. Um, and it's very exciting. It's very, it's, it's very exciting to work that way. And it's very exciting to see people, you know, get famous uh, off my sacrifice. <laughs> and it's also hor horrifying. Well, I hope one day to earn some money, enough money, so that I can leave the house. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. It's a good hope. Yeah, it's my one hope. You could go gigging again. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I love doing. I've always done comedy. I've always performed comedy. I love doing. It. It's kind of like a sort of secret hobby. Um, and I just, God damn it, I never get the chance to do it. But when I do it, God, I love. Oh, it's the best. It's so much fun. Um, and I kind of think, you know, I'm not saying you have to be funny or be or, or be a comedian to be able to do this, but it, it kind of helps to be. Funny because then you kind of know. It, it helps to be really judgmental, and all all comedians are really judgmental people because that's the whole point of comedy that you're, you're very cr critical of everything. Like that's why you're funny because you're pointing out all the disaster, you're pointing out all the inconsistencies, all. You're pointing out why everybody's an idiot, um, and and maybe that makes everyone very depressed. But if you're not like that, then you can't be a good. You're not that type of person. You can't be a good photographer. You can't be a good art director. You can't be a good designer. You can't because actually, it's the same thing. You you you're trying to figure out why something might be crap, um, and you 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 and therefore you're figuring out how something would be good. You you're always trying to figure out. Well, that's lame. That's stupid. That's you know that's too naff. That's too wacky. You know that um that looks like a penis. You know it. And if you're not, if you don't have that kind of mindset. I'm not again. I'm not saying you have to be a comedian, but you do have to have that mindset in order to be a good creative. A good creative in anything, whether you're a writer, or well, I kind of think that you have to be like that if you want to be good at any profession. You know, if you're, you know. So it's really, it's kind of really important, and and also I don't know. It it's it's kind of fun to be able to. Um, relate and to empathize with people um, with performance because I find that it's it's kind of horrible you know photo shoots are weird artificial horrible situations where you know you might be in a white studio you might be surrounded by PRs and stylists and makeup artists and random people running about and interns getting popcorn and and you you and it's not you you know you haven't you haven't got up on stage to to do that you've never that's not why you're doing comedy you're not doing comedy to worry about what you look like the best comedians don't have, you know don't have any ego physical ego about you know what they're actually look that what they actually look like when they're actually performing comedy it's and and so it is a sort of weird artificial thing and if you if if you have a photographer who's got the camera glued to their face and not making any eye contact and not actually sort of talking to you like a real person and not hanging out not making jokes and not just being with you for fun 
you know, and actually doing a fun thing with you and, and, and not, not trying to, you know, do like a, a part of your show, actually come in and be part of your show and extend your show and develop and interpret and translate your show into a visual image. If you just get someone who's kind of grunts and doesn't participate, then, I mean, it's horrifying. Hmm. It's horrifying. It, it's artificial you're not you know you'll get a shot you'll get a shot because the photographer knows how to use their camera but it won't have any won't have any goddamn soul like it won't it won't be something that you've created together this is the thing I'm not interested in taking photos I'm interested in creating photos together with the comedian I'm interested in collaboration I'm not interested in just taking a photo and running away I'm not paparazzi I'm not firing my camera at someone and then r- rushing off we're creating something collaboratively. We're improvising things. We're we're planning and planning and planning and planning, and then, as anyone who has ever done improv knows, that you have to plan and plan and plan and know and know all the techniques and know how to listen and know how to pick up on stuff, and then you jump on mistakes. You jump. I mean, it's thrilling. You know, you so. And if you haven't planned, you wouldn't be able to do it. You know, and. You, you and you see what happens. You know, you 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 plan and plan and plan. You get into the shoot, and then it's thrilling because then anything can happen. And you do that collaboratively. You do that because you're both listening to each other, you're both talking to each other, you're making eye contact to each other. You trust each other to have great ideas. You know, you I'm I'm always asking the person in front of me what they think, what, what how they feel about things, and and they're asking me the same thing. And we're we, you know we become partners rather than, you know, just flashing a camera at someone um, 500 times and playing a numbers game. And say, you know, one shot will be good. But that, that is not a fun way to do this. Are there specific types of shows you like working on or, and are there any types of show that you wouldn't work on? It's not about the type of show, it's people. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Because, like, um, you know, it... Straight stand-up shows. There can be one uh, stand-up comedian who is doing it because they think they'll get famous that way, or they think it's cool to do it, or they think they're funny because their mates think they're funny, and they actually don't. They actually are not in any way creative, even though they think they are. And that can be really harrowing. It's really difficult sometimes when you find someone like that because you really have to sort of. I mean. you're trying to find something creative in them that they just you know sometimes people just don't have Um, and then someone else you know again doing just a regular hour set of jokes um, actually comes to that that hour in an incredibly creative way in like a really exciting way it's got lots of themes or, or again it doesn't need to be a theme it's just that they're they have more rigor they have more. I, I don't. I don't want to say intellectual because it doesn't matter about the type of comedy. It doesn't matter about the type of comedy, whether it's kind of broad um, or you know. That's not what I mean. It, it's more the type that it's like rigorous in their brain that they have thought that it's. You know, it, it doesn't matter how crass the actual jokes are. Is that 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 crassness comes from an exciting place? That crassness comes from like a, a 
a, a brain place or in a guttural place, like a place that they've really that they're excited about, is that that they care about, that they're thrilled about. And sometimes you get people who literally don't seem to care about their show at all. They do, they don't you know, and they go up to Edinburgh and they get a bunch of two and three star reviews, and then they wonder why nobody cares about them. It's because well they didn't care about it, you know, and that's actually quite a brutal truth that a lot of people can't face that actually, you know, the reason they do badly is because they they didn't put any work into it. I mean, they put the wrong sort of work. They, you know, they... Sometimes, hey, not always. Also, Edinburgh is a bloody Russian roulette of a place. So, you know, sometimes a lot of people do badly in it through absolutely no fault of their own, and it's devastating. So it's not in any way, you know, anyone's fault either way. But... Um, and then sometimes people don't care and they do really well and that is equally devastating for other reasons. But it's so it's not the type of show I love you know, I love physical comedy, I love clowning, I love circus, I love um I love straight theatre, I you know, I love sketch obviously, I've done sketch for a long time and I love imp- I love every you know, everything but it depends on the person. Mm. It depends on the people. No, I completely agree with that. Uh sorry <laughs> I keep saying that. Um, uh-huh. No, it's because uh, I wrote a blog post a while ago when I first set this up. Because after the first episode, I spent probably forty minutes trying to find the right shade of green that I wanted for the notes. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post about why I shouldn't have done that. I should have spent more time editing that podcast because I was putting in loads of effort, but just in the wrong place. And it was like, you know, do you know what I mean? It's 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 definite effort going into something. But it just yeah, didn't need it. I sort of disagree with that specific... I mean, I know what you mean generally, but I sort of disagree with that like specific example because actually if you finally choose that right bloody shade of green... Oh, it's beautiful. Sorry. Then, yeah, well, exactly. And then suddenly all your work makes sense. Mm. Like, all you, it's a delight to then, t- to then do your work because mm. you're like, God damn it, I love this green. And then you, when you sit down and you write, then if you, if you, if you choose the right... You know, font that the the size and the kerning and the leading, and then you start typing. Then actually, it's kind of a, a delight. It kind of kills me to type in Arial. Like I said, I have to I have to change the font before I start typing, and and then things start to flow, and that there's and that makes absolute sense. That that isn't a crazy thing at all. Like I mean, God damn it! If that was crazy, then <laughs> I shouldn't be in public um, because <laughs> I spend months choosing I mean god damn it yeah so long choosing things going over stuff over and over again yeah 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 no I understand I, I'm a typography nerd I just yeah, love it yeah, and, I, yeah. and I love shades of like I don't like the block shade you get in hex codes I like like the kind of ones around no, it really yeah because yeah. they're just so much better yeah like I do plus like the little palette you get, you mm. know, when you click the thing and it just gives you those like base colours, you know, red, mm. orange, whatever. They're rubbish. And then you go to like that pinwheel and you can just spend hours just moving it around watching the shades change and you're oh, like, the pinwheel. Oh, I yes. love it. Um, maybe it's just oh, us. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, yeah. I, I I kind of think basically it's the same. I feel the same way as I feel about people who say, oh, I'm rubbish at computers. Like those people are the worst people in the whole world. Because you're not rubbish at computers, you're just lame and awful. Like, you, it, if you sat down and you just paid attention, then you would realise that you do care a huge amount and you could use a computer if you wanted to because you're on Facebook all the time, you idiot. So you know you're using a very, like, sophisticated interface 
already. So you're great at computers. Um, so it's in the same way when people are like, oh, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what to have in my photos. I don't know what to have in my designs. But then they go around judging photos all the time and liking photos and not liking other photos and loving stuff on Instagram. They, you know, they're, 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 they're frequent, habitual, obsessive judges and consumers of photography and design. Everyone is. Every single person in the world, in the well, in the world, in our very little privileged bubble the in Western the United world. Kingdom, yeah, the world. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're all we're all obsessed with images. So we all know, we all understand what we like and what we don't like because we're we're algorithmically detailing that all the time now. So we're all experts at it. So if someone someone comes and they're like, oh, I don't really know what you know what photos I want, then I will just sit them down and I'll get it out of them. I'll I'll interrogate them until they finally like form an opinion about it because they do have the opinions. It's just deep down they haven't rigorously asked themselves that. And the more rigor you have in your show, the better it's going to be. The better because it it makes you question your show as well. So yeah, so people people are experts on judging photos and having opinions about photos and if they say they don't because I think they have that same reaction to maths and same reaction to computers they're like oh I'm terrible at maths oh I'm terrible at computers and actually it's like maths isn't that hard and computers aren't that hard we do maths all the time and we do excel sheets all the time and we do we play with computers constantly we're always on Facebook we're always on our iPhones we're, we're using really elaborate user interfaces constantly so everybody's good at computers already um, so I interrogated out of them. I, I, you know, they they come to me with that sort of whiny kind of like, oh, I don't really know what I want from photos. It's like, well, you know, I sit them down and I I get them to rummage inside themselves and figure out what they do want out of photos, what they really do, because everybody does have opinions. Everybody is constantly judging. Everybody is an expert in having opinions about photos and visual design, visual narrative, visual communication. Um, um, so, yeah. So, from your end, there must be a lot of psychology going into the design of uh, marketing materials. Yeah, I mean, there's... It, a photo shoot is, is kind of like a therapy session. Because that's what it is, because you're asking why, and you're asking how. Why are you bothering to do the shoot? How we want to bother doing the shoot? How you feel about things? How are you feeling right now? How you felt today? Um, all your insecurities or all the positions of this it, it's it's a way of thinking that actually maybe you've never had to answer to before because sometimes I think everybody in creative industries spends a lot of time justifying their decisions like whether it's to your partner or to your parents especially to your parents um, to your other friends who are doing really well and who like went to law school and um, or own a restaurant and I mean like other people seem to have like their lives sorted out they have more mortgages we, we've all been taught that like having a mortgage and having kids like that's that's how your life is sorted out and and so many people in the creative industries are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and like 
are still like working on these weird shows like about spoons and like oh my god they've got this idea and if they 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 dress in a in a skirt made of spoons and and, and it, you know they've got this ridiculous idea and actually it'll work it'll be so funny if it worked but only they realize that only they know then it'll work because every time they try and describe their ridiculous hula skirt made of spoons it sounds it sounds completely stupid and so people go around not telling people why and how and why they're doing this and how they're doing it and why they're bothering to do the show they're not ever actually saying that stuff out loud with words they're only going around justifying why they're doing it like oh yeah or, or agreeing that it's so nice to do something creative everybody who works in these fields have has all have, we've all had that patronising, condescending thing said to us, which is like, oh God, it must be so nice for you to work doing something creative. And, and you know, you want to punch them in their stupid face because it's horrible to work in the creative <laughs> industry. You have to do all your own accounting. You have no security. You, your whole life is a mess. You know, you, you wake up sweat in sweaty panics every night and you have no idea how to relate to other people like it's it's a complete nightmare and you're never really sure if you're ever gonna it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't matter how hard you work it's not a meritocracy you can still end up like nameless and moneyless and in a pile of your own laundry and you know and so we spend a lot of time justifying ourselves instead of just talking about why we're fucking doing this and sometimes that all comes out in a photo shoot and that all comes up that all comes out in a design session and i think that that's that's so there's a lot of there's a lot of interpretation of that that goes into design and the poster um from that end so you're talking about so like where the poster comes from and then when you're then interpreting it in terms of a marketing tool i think then that's maybe what you're referring to um specifically is that you take all of that psychology and that mess and you <laughs> reflect it and you make it wonderful you boil it down you make it into a very simple message and then that's that's on on that side is very very critical that you're simplifying all of that mess all of that backstory all of those emotions all of those fears and paranoias into and and also excitements and posit positive things as well it's not all bad guys it's not all bad you're boiling it down to a singular message um because that in terms of psychology of people viewing it you need to you need to make it very iconic, eye-catching, simple, clear message that isn't isn't being it, it is not undercut by rubbish type or type that doesn't flow very well or that doesn't have a nice sort of flowing, kerning uh, height, kerning um, width, or any kind of you know it, it's all aligned up nicely on each margin and you know all of these things if done incorrectly they're all distractions they're all you know horrible sort of and, and you, you want to boil it down to a very clear message because um, photography 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ultimately, it's just communicative design. It's a form of communication. Um, so you can't have mixed messages and, and everybody does have mixed messages. That's what's so challenging and exciting about doing this work is that everybody is a, a mix of conflicting and paradoxical emotion and mess. And you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and find that one underlying principle that you want to evoke and represent. Um, and in terms of, you know, in terms of advertising psychology, yeah, you can be very cynical about it. There are lots of different, you know, uh, rules and tips that you can adhere to, but you can do all of those tricks as much as you want if it's not coming from a fun, exciting, creative place that's cohesive with the rest of the show and the rest of the creativity, then you're on a losing track anyway. It doesn't matter how many tricks you throw at a poster, you're not going to get anywhere with it. That makes sense. And that, again, answers a lot of questions that I've been asked. And it, again, feels like most people are focused... I think if I hadn't heard the stuff expressed the way you've expressed it, I would have carried on thinking, I just need a pretty image to put up on a wall. A lot of people think that. Yeah, I've, I've thought that for the last three Edinburghs, and I didn't even do a show in the first one. I just looked at posters and thought... Oh, that's a pretty image. That's what people do. That's why that works. Yeah, and people don't realise that actually, you know, the the best images, the best posters, are are doing so much more. And maybe a lot of that is subliminal. And and that's that's part of the reason this job is takes so much out of me because the sign of a good producer is a producer that isn't noticed. You know, almost. I mean, that you know, it's mm-hmm. a very th- can be a very thankless task. The majority of the work I do does not get noticed by anybody um, and that's actually a compliment when people say oh it's it, you know it's a great poster and they don't see it you know they don't know why it's a great poster they don't know why they they've never they've never even questioned why it's a good poster it's a great image they 
they don't know why and actually subliminally there's so much going on um, that it might speak to them emotionally or narratively or in ways that tie into sort of a different campaign thematically um, there's cohesiveness between like a, a pack of images over the period of a year you know there, there's all sorts of stuff happening um, and and all of that all of that is essential because that's what that's what evokes that emotional response but people don't know why they like things a lot of the time you don't know necessarily why you you know um, prefer Channing Tatum to Ryan Gosling but you know that you do um, so it's, it's very guttural it's very instinctive and and that's what you're that's what you're trying to aim for but actually aiming for that is it's the most thankless task I mean it's, it's you know that you've done it you know that you've put all that work in but my god you know producers don't realise producers are just photocopying um, pretty images that they see that's what a lot of I mean that's why a lot of posters are crap that's what you know what that's why a lot of posters are middling and that's almost worse than being crap you know the middling poster the ones that have clearly seen other good posters other good and good same with comedy as well other good like the middling shows you know the mm. ones i mean the ones that are like they've clearly seen great comedians that they love and they think that if they just do it in the same rhythms and they mm. just get up on stage use a use a microphone they dress kind of the same and they have they grow out their hair they grow out a big beard they put glasses on, or they, or they, you know, they put a suit. Yeah, take your glasses off. Or they wear a suit. They, you know, and they're just they're just Cops sort of thing. imitating people. They're just photocopying people, and then they don't realise why they're not great immediately. Or I've had people, you know, send me kind of photos of Steve McQueen and be like, I want a photo like this. Actually, the photos, the photo itself, technically. The, the Steve McQueen photo might not be actually that good mm. as a technical piece of photography and the reason it's it's a great image is actually only because Steve McQueen is so famous and you know became yeah. like an absolute icon you can't just replicate that no. you can't just photocopy that you can't just you know it's like it's only this middling t-shirted comedian in the post in, in the photograph yeah. you can't create an icon all of, all of a sudden that's, that's why it takes 10 years to get good. Or it takes, uh, you know, they say it takes... God damn it, it takes a minimum of 10 years to get good yeah. at anything. Take a minimum, an absolute... And also, 10 years of dedicated work to get good. It's not 10 years of sitting around and doing some gigs every so often and being shit at them. It's 10 years of, of working and dedicating and doing it every single day and, and, and forcing yourself to criticise yourself, to, to rigorously analyse how you're doing it, why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, and getting better and better and better, and loving it, and get and getting so excited about it. It takes ten years of that. It doesn't take ten years of you know any to anybody's random ten years. Um, so I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of imitate there's a lot of people who think that just imitating good stuff is a, is good stuff, and that's not the same. Do Do you think there's a point in someone's career that they are better to come to you so in other words like maybe not their first time ever going to Edinburgh because it's maybe them just doing a split show with a friend I do I do all sorts of you know um, and 
I work with people at all stages of their career. So I work with celebrities, but I also work with people who literally it's their first Edinburgh. In fact, I work with people who aren't even taking a show to Edinburgh. It's their, it's their first photo shoot. Right. Um, yeah, because I think, again, as I was saying earlier, taking that first photo, establishing yourself as a comedian, that's actually quite a critical juncture because you're, you, you're pissing around on Facebook saying that you're doing a gig and stuff like that. And it's only really when your friends and family see this like professional shoots and they appear on Facebook that actually people are like, oh, sh-, you know, holy shit, like, they actually mean it. They mm. actually went, you, you invest that money. You're like, I'm investing this money. I'm dedicating myself to at least one or two years of being a comedian. Because you don't take, you don't come to me and you do, you know, you, you invest the money and you do a shoot and then you drop out three months later. You know, you come in, and, and, and that means it's a very serious commitment. And actually, um, I've worked with people at the beginning of their career, and actually this all this process that I do is, is, is kind of, like, really exciting at the beginning of someone's career. Because they're really forging their identity. They're really, like... And, and part of the photo shoot is to visualise that, is to forge that visually. And that's really exciting. Um... Because otherwise, you can spend... If you don't do something like that, if you don't... If you spend a long time, um, you know, figuring out what you're about, I think you can languish for years, like, not really kind of... You know, you may as well put your foot on the accelerator pedal as soon as possible and be like, okay, this is what I'm about. And you can always, you know, a couple of years down change it change it again change it again photos can keep reflecting how you're changing but i think if you start out with terrible photos looking like an idiot then you know that's kind of the first impressions that people are going to get you know why have wacky photos at the beginning people are going to hate you um like people are not going to come to see your show you want people to come see your shows and I know this is, you know, obviously you want to develop your craft and stuff, but you're only going to develop your craft if people come and see you. Mm. Like, if people are excited about you. And if the photos reflect your work and the work reflects the photos. And I think each of them pushes the work further and further. I think you can step, if you have a really great set of photos, you actually can step up to it. You're like, oh, oh God, you know, I've got to be good. <laughs> like, um, I've got to put the work in. You know, as soon as you put that... in. That, that blurb into the Fringe program, you spend £300 and you get that entry in the Fringe program, then guess what? You actually fucking write a show. You know, because you have to, because people are going to come and it's in there and you've got a venue. Um, and if you don't put the, you know, if you don't bother putting the blurb in and you don't bother, you know, getting your photos sorted or your design sorted, then you know what? You're probably not even going to get your show sorted. Like... You know, you gotta, you gotta build it, and then you will come. <laughs> well, you mentioned a lot about PR, yeah, and about how. So, for example, when you worked on a photo desk, I mean, I've done some journalism work before, and I'm I'm aware of that as well, where they where they are working on an aesthetically pleasing magazine as best they can, because that is ultimately what people will look at before they, yeah, you know, read anything. Um, it's kind of the the eye catching photo to get people to draw people in. You, your company does PR as well. Mm-hmm. Does that involve like so when you're discussing out with people, saying what do you want to do, what do you want from the show, what's the you know what's the result at the other end? Do, is that the kind of thing that you guys do or push 
through uh, like at the moment um i i'm only doing pr for our own in-house produced projects so we did this comedian the live show and then we've done a bunch of other shows and then we're doing um uh we're in-house producing my exhibition comedy um and we're actually collaborating with chloe nelkin um who's doing our pr um for that and you know and we've uh, i've worked with other prs before and i've done my own pr for shows it always depends really with pr the thing about PR is the same kind of deal. It's that a lot of people criticise PRs so unfairly, you know, because it, it's um, it's a collaborative effort. They book a PR and then they expect the world on a stick, and it's it's actually you've got to put in the work as much as possible. You've got to be available. You've got to create your own leads. You've got to you know, make things worth talking about as well, you know. Um, and you've got to have a good set of photos that the PR can use and play with. Um, you know, there's so many articles that have gone in simply because of one of my photos, like, only because of one of my photos, like, and that's led to whole articles and and, and front covers and all sorts of things. So it's it's a very collaborative process. It's part of the show. And it's part of the, but it's also part of the business side of the show yeah. in terms of getting the thing. And I think so many comedians spend ages working on the show part of show business. They don't think of, they yeah. think of anything and to do with they, the, Yeah, and then they wonder why they fail. Because you, because as much as you don't want to play the game, you sort of this have... This isn't a play the game anything. This is your life. This is your name. This is your, your whole livelihood. This is, by the way, guys, this is your, this is your livelihood. This is how you're earning money. So this is no this, this this phrase playing the game is 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 a phrase that I'm absolutely sick of. It's like if they get a PR, they think they've sold out. They're like, oh, but Kitson doesn't have a PR. It's like first of all, his name is Daniel Kitson, not Kitson. So it, it's this sort of like deification of the of these people that don't have PRs, that don't have agents. That's like, oh, it's selling out. It's all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, dude, that that's how he plays. That's how he plays his game. That's his thing. That's his. That's his way. That works for his material. That works for his show. That works for his. The way he's developed as an artist. That can't get just translated onto anybody else. You know, there are other people who don't have PRs or don't have agents, and it works for them very specifically for them because actually, that in itself, him not having an agent is in itself a reflection of his work. And people think that they can just take that and run with it with their terrible work and think, oh, well, you know, if he doesn't have an agent, then I won't have an agent. It's like, what is wrong with you that you, you, you know, you, you idolise people and don't extract actual facts, you know, any kind of useful information from it? Um, this isn't the playing the game. It's that you have to, you have to, for, there's no bloody career path in this. In, in the creative industries, not a single, there's nothing. There's no seven year, 10 year here, and then three years apprenticeship there, there's nothing. We have to figure it out all by ourselves. We have to do all our accounts, we've got to do all our business strategy, we've got to do all our bloody websites and social media now, and 
I mean everything we've got to do everything ourselves and so we've got to actually put the work into it and we've got to learn accounting by the way you've got to learn how to do it you've got to learn how to do taxes you've got to look at your Edinburgh settlement and figure it out and figure out where the money is coming from the money is part of the creative process that's what's so essential to understand. You can't just throw money at a producer and throw money at a photographer and throw money at PR. You've got to bring them on board. You've got they've got to be collaboratively involved in your show. Otherwise, there's no point in having them. You're better off having a completely um, inexperienced friend doing your PR who's obsessed with your show and good at googling then you are just throwing three grand at a, a, a high-profile PR who has no interest and who will just do a sort of cut-and-paste job than, than they do with all their, their other people on their books. You're better, off, you're better off with a photographer who, like, again, who, you're better off with your mum doing your photos if she if she's like obsessed with art and like has like a little cute little you know a beginner dslr camera and you're better off with someone obsessed with you than you are with just throwing money at someone and you know and that's kind of that's that's what i do i, I come in and i get obsessed with the people i work with get absolutely obsessed with them and, um, you know, I, obviously I need to earn money, so sometimes it's hard to turn people down. Um, and every so often I get lumped with someone who's an absolute, you know, arsehole. And I've got to, <laughs> to get obsessed with them as well. And that's very hard. Um, but, you know, thankfully 99% of everyone, you know, they're all brilliant and exciting and thrilling to work with. But... I think that's the thing. It, it's this this playing the game is nothing. This is your careers, your name, your reputation, everything that you s strive for. You know, it, it. This is you know, it's your business. This is a business. This is this is how you're going to earn money. Is how you're going to take care of your children and your partner. Like, just grow the fuck up and and realize that you are both earning money and trying to develop yourself creatively. There's no if you don't earn money, you won't be able to develop yourself creatively. The money is part of the creativity, and anyone who tries to separate it is a fucking naive idiot. By the way, Daniel Kitson makes money, guys. So, you know, stop separating it. Stop seeing it as a way of selling out, and start seeing it as an exciting, critical intertwined part of the creative process you, you earlier said um you love seeing like clients like get famous from your work and and get really good recognition and stuff do you ever since my first edinburgh like so the last one i've done i and then this year as well i keep trying to write down a list of what i want from edinburgh because i figure i want to have some targets i want to have some aims and it sounds like you sit down with people and go um what do you want from this? Do you want do you want like management? Do you want like PR? Do you want the reviews? Do you want like mm -hmm. uh, a tour off the back? All that kind of stuff. Are there any aims that you think? I mean, obviously it will vary and vary, but like a lot of so, for example, a lot of comedians in their early stages think, "Oh, I'll go to Edinburgh, I'll get discovered, I'll get management, and everything'll be all right." I mean, are there any unrealistic aims that you would like to put a pin in the bubble of? <laughs> I mean, all of them. Yeah, Edinburgh's not a fairy godmother. 
Edinburgh is a terrible place. Uh, it's a dog show. Everybody is there selling their wares and everybody is being compared to everyone. And then, awfully, there's a bloody competition. Um, we, and everyone says, everyone I've ever met, they're like, yeah, obviously I don't care about the Edinburgh Award. Or obviously I'm not in it for that. And everybody cares about it because everybody in the third week, that's all that anyone ever talks about. And it is horrifying and it's the worst thing in the world. And and I and it's it's so it's so awful really because again it's another way of reduct it, this this reductive process is like you know if you don't get nominated and then everybody is like oh yeah they're definitely on the long list the amount of times I've heard agents claim all their clients are definitely on the long list is hilarious um, the more you put in the more you get out. It's got nothing to do with awards, it's got nothing to do with management, it's got nothing to do with agents. Um, the more you put in, in terms of your work and everything around it, remember that it's not just the show, it's everything around the show as well. The business side of it, the contacts that you make, your mailing list, your website, everything that you're building the more you will get out of it and the more the more right stuff you will get out of it instead of just chucking money you, you want to create something really that's yours that it, that has to be you being up on stage rather than any other random comedian could have taken your place and that's what i see on a lot of posters that literally like it could have been any other comedian who's you know 33 years old on that poster and it nobody would notice the difference and it's the same with like a lot of people's shows is that actually there's like a lot of shows that I've seen stand-up shows and sketch shows that's like well this could be any random four 23 year olds doing this sketch show or this could be you know any random 27 year old woman doing this character show it's, it's like it it doesn't it, you kind of have to you have to really make it yours and and that's the same in and that it's the same with the publicity and the press and and every part of that and then you will get the right kind of fans you will get the right type of management you'll get the right type of PR you'll get the right type of TV commissions if you get them you know or it'll be the start of it you'll get people who start to get obsessed with you and that's the thing you want to be people's favorite comedian every you don't want to just be a comedian that's doing that's done well because that will lead nowhere. You want to be, it's better to be the favorite ever comedian of like 10 people than to be the sort of 50th favorite comedian of a thousand people. You know what I mean? Hmm. Does that make any sense? It's better to have, you know, that those, that tiny group of obsessed people, that's what you want. Because that has legs, that will grow. But the other thing won't grow. That goes nowhere. It's the 1,000 True Fans theory, if you know that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Where, you, yeah, you need X amount... Well, obviously, it varies. But you need X amount of people to give you X amount of money each year who really care what you do yeah. in order to make a profit and be a profitable <laughs> artist. Yeah. Yeah. But that, and that's what Edinburgh's for, I think, is to start to find those fans. And that should be your expectation, and that's, that should be the end of your expectation that is what your aim should be to take up a beautiful funny show that's yours and 
only yours in every aspect of it, with the production and the show and the performance and the business side of it. And then to find people who love it, absolutely love it. And that is it. That should be your aim and nothing else. Because everything else will come. And and you know you've got and you've got to write the emails you've got to make contacts you've got you know you've got to like you've got to do the grunt work you've got to get in touch you can't expect people to just show up you've got to tell you know start to tell people about it you know get in touch with uh, the commissioners get in touch with agents get in touch with producers get in t- get in touch with them say hi and say hi again and follow it up and follow it up again because people just send one email and they're like oh they never got in touch with me they're such a dick and it's like well no, you dick, they're really busy and they're getting thousands of these emails. Like, email them again, send them a basket of hams. Not hams, I'm vegan now, but, you know, like, of jams, jams. Send them a basket of jams. You know, be something different and people will find you. That was Adil Sukan. I had so much fun talking to her. I honestly... She was so lovely and so giving with her time. And as a result, I'm going to try and give back to her as best I can, as I will for all guests. She has a debut exhibition coming up. It's the week following this podcast launch. So basically the week of the 20th of February 2015. One of those days she is dedicating as a comedian day. And she wants to get as many comedians, performers, sketch acts, you name it, down to come and look at her work and talk to her about what she does, how she does it, and any other questions that maybe this podcast didn't answer. Although, let's face it, we did cover quite a lot. So, uh, but if there's anything you wanted to ask her that you're worried about maybe formally emailing her or ringing up her company, you can come down to that that day and you can ask her whatever you want just as a pal and you can say you heard about it from the podcast and, and it will help her out, it will help us out. It would be a lovely collaborative thing. If you want to know more about this event... If you go to Facebook and type in the Comedy Collective's field trip to Idil Sukan's exhibition, This Comedian. The exhibition is called This Comedian. The website is thiscomedian.com. So if you want to know any more information about that and any other links or information you want to find will be in the show notes, which you can find on our website, which is rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com. If you like this, please give it a rating on iTunes if you can. If you're not on iTunes, don't worry about it. You can help out by going to the website, finding the link for the show, and tweeting about it. If you tweet about it, please mention me at this made me cool, uh, all one word, and I will give you a personal thank you. If you don't, if you don't want to do it there, you can do it on Facebook. All the shares really help. If you really like it and you're new to the show, if you want to hit subscribe. We do. I do this every week, comes out every Thursday, usually gets publicised properly every Friday, so you can find it wherever you are. If you were head over heels for this content and you think it's worth anything financially, if you were to go to the website, which is rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com, then I'm going to turn that into a jingle at some point <laughs> so I can just insert it. Uh, but if you go to the website, there is a PayPal button. If you want to give me a pound for all this hard work, uh, you know, that'd be amazing. You know, every little bit helps. And, um, you know, just even two quid is just an amazingly helpful amount of money. I'm saving up to get a new portable mic so I can do more interviews in and around the country. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking part. Speak to you soon and see you next week. Bye. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 